0: Well, good evening, everybody. Man, it was chilly today. I wasn't quite ready for that. Got, November has spoiled me, you know. We had a lot of really, really nice warm days, so that wind was blowing and... Uh, so, here we are. Maybe one snow for Christmas and then the rest of it 50 degrees. I'd be, I'd be quite happy with that. I'm going to attempt something in the next, uh, several weeks. I try to challenge myself in these times and I, I don't want to just give you leftovers. And, uh, there's a place in the Bible that talks about the old corn of Canaan and, uh, um, I don't, I don't want to serve you old corn. So, um, there are seven churches that are mentioned in the Book of Revelation. This is um, this probably won't be a long lesson tonight. It'll really be an introdu- introductory type of thing, but. Um, A third of that Bible's prophecy. And to be perfectly honest with you, um, I've been lazy about a lot of it. Uh, Usually, you know, you have a couple guys, they're the prophecy guys, and you let them figure out what all them eyes and them horns and all that other stuff means. And uh, I had an old elder years ago, uh, his name was uh, D.L. Welch, he told me, he said, I don't know much about prophecy, but I, I know as much as anybody else. <laughs> and uh, I understand what he was trying to say. It was just sometimes you get frustrated with it and you say, hey, my guess is as good as yours. And um, But I, I'm, I've am i always been fascinated with uh, the concept of seven in the Bible. Um I don't know if it's possible. I may try through the course of these lessons, but is it, is it possible to reconcile the sevens that are in the Bible? For instance, you, of course, at the beginning have seven days of creation. And I have always, always believed very strongly that in Leviticus 23, the seven feasts of Jehovah are tied into the seven creative days, and um, but there are lots of other things in the Bible. There, in uh, Matthew chapter thirteen, there are seven parables where the Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this, and um, you've got the seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation, um, Ezekiel's vision. Uh, does a derivative of sevens, um, uh, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try to just deal with those seven churches in the book of Revelation because it is my personal belief that those were not just seven churches that existed at that time, but they were used by the Lord to describe seven distinct ages that the church would go through from the beginning church of Ephesus to the final church of Laodicea. Um, If you read in the second chapter of Revelation third it'll say under the church in Ephesus, under the church in Pergamos, under the church in Thyatira. But when you come to the end Laodicea it says, under the church of, of the Laodiceans. It wasn't just mentioned by location, but literally that that church was controlled by the people. There's an old Latin phrase called vox populi, vox dia. Dia, of course, is just a derivative of deity or God. Populi was people. So vox is voice, vox populi, vox dia. The voice of the people has become the voice of God. And um, we know who wrote Matthew. We know who wrote the book of Mark. We know who wrote the book of Luke, who wrote the book of John. Most people think that John wrote Revelation. But... If you look closely, it doesn't say the revelation of St. John. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a verse, this is 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So you could say that the entire Bible was basically written by scribes and stenographers. Uh, They were moved on by the Spirit and uh, wrote down what they were moved with. But ladies and gentlemen, it seems very obvious to me that Revelation is not a book by John about Jesus Christ. This is the only book in the Bible that was entirely written... By Jesus himself. And it was not just written by himself. But it was written by him about himself. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. John just happened to be the one that put down on paper. paper, What the Lord was saying about himself. And the Greek word for revelation is apocalypse. And the best way to translate apoc- a tip, ap- apocalypse is unveiling just like uh, at a wedding when a groom takes that veil off of his bride um, this is this is the lord unveiling himself and unveiling the plans that he has for the church which is his bride this is it's it's an uncovering and it's, it's not just the unveiling of who Jesus is, but it also is the revelation about what he intends to do in the coming seven church ages. And uh, I, I can't, I, I hope I can aspire you tonight with this one simple concept, but I can't overemphasize the importance of revelation by the Spirit to the believer. Yeah. That elephant in the room thing when you go, oh, and I see it. Yeah. Second Corinthians 4 and 4 said, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan is the mind blinder. And, and I'm not just talking uh, about the book of Revelation only. I, I'm, I'm just talking about Revelation. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. Here, here's Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I the Son of Man am? What are they saying about me? Who do they think I am? and they said well some say you're john the baptist some say you're elijah some say you're jeremiah or you're one of them guys you're one of them prophets and then he totally comes at him from a different direction okay that's what everybody else is saying about me what about you who do you think i am peter said you're the christ The son of the living God. Now, Christ is a a Greek word, Christos. Technically, it means the anointed one. But to Jews, the Christ was Messiah. He was God in flesh. And when Peter said, you're the Christ, that's who you are. You are are the son, you're the flesh of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar is son of, Simon's daddy was Jonah. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There is a a falsehood in... um, one aspect of the Christian church which says that Peter was the rock that the Lord intended to build his church on. How in the world could God build his church upon a man who was so unstable that he denied the Lord three times and cursed him while he was doing it? God can't build his church upon any man born in sin. And so, many people, including Pentecostals, believe the church is built upon Jesus Christ. And I don't doubt that it Bible talks about he's the chief cornerstone. But we're talking about revelation here. And what so many people don't get is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying the church is going to be built on Peter. He's not even saying the church is going to be built on me. He's saying the church is going to be built on Revelation. Okay? And and. Here's Luke 10 and verse 22. All things are delivered to me of my Father. And no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. Father knows. And who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. Now, if you... Fresh in church... This sounds very confusing to you. Let me explain something to you. Father is spirit. Son is flesh, okay? When you talk about Jesus is the son of the Father, so many people that freaks them out because they think in terms, okay, you got a dad separate from a son? That's in flesh. The Father's not flesh. Okay? So you can't look at this like you do naturally. Here's a a fleshly Father who has a fleshly Son, and they're separate beings. Father is Spirit, Son is flesh. So when you talk about the Son of the Father, you're talking about the flesh. Of the spirit. Okay? It's it's I, I've I've taught you this for years. There's only one legal liquid that can deal with sin, and that's blood. If God remains spirit, he can't help anybody. He can't redeem anybody. The word this is Christmas time. Everybody ought to know what redemption means. When you redeem something, you buy it. You purchase it. That's why in the book of Peter it said, we were redeemed, not with money, but we were redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ. That, it's, there's a, um, it's in the book of Acts. I don't know, Matthew, it's probably, I think it's 20 and 28 of the book of Acts. Feed the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. And it says, feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Okay? That's the currency when you're dealing with sin. And and so, watch this. The only one who really knows who the son is, is the spirit the father and the only one who really knows who the father is is the son and he to whom he will reveal it you can't know God unless you understand the role that that God played while he was in flesh that's why read it carefully This is in red. These are the teachings of Jesus. You're never going to know who the father is. And you're never going to know who the son is without revelation. Something's got to happen where in your spirit you go, I get it. That's what the church is built on. Not just us coming together and singing some songs and going through some stale little Bible lesson, but that, but the Holy Ghost, the Bible says His Spirit wants to bear witness with your spirit. There needs to be. This is on spirit level. This is not mind. This is not mental. This is not flesh. This is a spirit level that literally, it, it, it's it's like you know. Just had Thanksgiving. I I was talking to um, someone right before church, and I said, How was your thanksgiving and he told me everybody was there we had 28 people at dinner all the kids were there all the grandkids were there everybody it was just what 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 would it be like to 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 be uh, 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 an adopted child and you never ever knew who your real dad was until finally you 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 find him and They welcome you to Thanksgiving dinner for the first time in, let's say, 40 years. That's what goes on around an altar. My my mother, she got me on this earth, but she couldn't get me off of it. All right? That's why the Bible refers to the church as our spirit mother. All right? He's our father, but the church is our mother. All right? All right? Esther Gertrude got me on the earth, but she couldn't get me off of it. I needed the church. And, and, and we're, we're talking about something on a spirit level. That's what real church ought to be. Real church ought, ought, ought to bypass your flesh. I know we're tired. We're all, we just, you know, you haven't had much sleep, and I haven't had much sleep either. And it's just, it's just your body gets weary, and, but, but we're here tonight. And, and 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 your mind you know it 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 can say for goodness sakes preacher aren't you you ought to be just glad I'm here and put the white envelope in the pot for goodness sakes but the, but we're going to go beyond flesh and beyond mind and deal with it on a spirit level yes. be, be, because the bible said as as the heart or after the deer pants after the water something inside of me is panting for you that's what we want in church to be. And, and, and uh, I, you, there's a God blank in every one of us. And you can't use flesh to satisfy that spirit void. It won't work. And, and it, it's just, do you want to know who God is? That's not going to happen without revelation. And this, this is what Jesus said in John 10 and 9. I'm the door. I, i'm the door and 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 if if you come in by me you'll be saved all right that's 10 and 9 but look how the chapter begins here's 10 and 1 verily verily i say unto you he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way the same as a thief and a robber This is this is what's going on here. Jesus is saying, I'm the door. And the only way you're gonna have a living, viable relationship in the Spirit is through me. Yeah, to put it in basic terms, Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus was resurrected. We identify with his death through repentance. We identify with his burial. The Bible said we're buried with Christ by water baptism. We identify with his resurrection through the infilling of his spirit. He did that. The Bible said he left us an example. So he did it. We did it. All right. And when you get that, you're not getting in any other way. He's the door. And this is going to be very strong. But people who advocate any other way, they're thieves. They're robbers. They are stealing from Jesus Christ the glory he rightfully deserves. That's why Jews... Uh, Jews don't want anything to do with Christianity because they believe all Christians are Trinitarians. And the Jews say, you don't even understand the numerical integrity of God. God's not three people. He's not three persons. Here Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's Deuteronomy. That's what's known as the Shema. Shema, Israel, Elohim, Eloheinu. When a Jewish child is born, they, they, they don't take them from the mom and give them to the dad. They take a baby from the mom and give it to the rabbi. And the rabbi whispers into that baby's ear, Shma Israel, Elohim, Eloheinu. Elohim, Elohim here Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. When a Jew dies, the last thing he wants to hear is somebody whispering in his ear, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Have you ever heard of a mezuzah? Can I see your hand? Does anybody know what a mezuzah is? One? One, two, three, four. Good. That's better than I thought. It's a little box. If you ever go to an Orthodox Jewish home, there's a little, almost looks like a doorbell on the side of the door. It's not a doorbell. Inside of that usually silver little covering is is that verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. They kiss that thing when they come out of their house. They kiss that thing when they go into their house. This is every day of their life. Here we're Israel, the Lord our God is one. And when someone shows up and said, Oh no, he's three, they're going, You're out of your mind. They don't want anything to do with that. We look and and all of a sudden when 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 apostolic Christians show up and say, I believe there's one. I I I I just I remember Janice O'Keefe was was in Beaumont and I went up there to be with her and and just you know she was very very sick and and uh I usually when I go into a hospital room I not only pray for the people that are associated with the church I do my best to try and make some type of inroad into the if they're sharing a room with someone else and and all of a sudden I I saw the name of this lady who was in the room with Janice, and it was obviously, she was Jewish. And I just looked at her and said, Shema Israel, Elohim. She said, how do you know that? Who are you? And I, I said, ma'am, I was grafted into your roots. She looked at me so strange, and she she said, what do you understand? What are you trying to say? I said, Jewish people were the first ones to be baptized in the name of the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues. We're just continuing what you started. And she looked at me like I was from Mars. No one had ever told her that before. You started this thing. In other words, you ought to still be in it. But you don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. You're the original Pentecostals. You're the original apostolics. And and, and, it, and it gave me away. I, I, I met this rabbi, I refer to him, I, I don't even know if he's still alive now. It's been several years since I talked to him. His name was Avram Bornstein. And he was a, a rabbi in Southfield, and, 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 and I had a, a Bible. But, but I quoted that thing to him, and I said, I'm not like any other Christian you've ever met in your life. I don't believe there's God the Father, God the Son, separate from God the Holy Spirit. I, I believe in one. When I said that, it startled him when I said that. And, 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 and Trinitarians are thieves. <laughs> Sorry about that. If you're, the saving name of your God is not Jesus Christ, you're stealing. You can't come in any other way except Jesus. He said, anybody else that tries to get in here except through me, you're, you're a thief. And that, that, that's strong. And it's just, go back to the beginning. Here, here's, here's Hebrews 11 and verse 4. By faith, Abel Offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Notice the first three words by faith, Abel. How did Abel know? To offer the sacrifice, a firstling of the flock. His brother offered something from his field. One's a farmer, one's a shepherd. Now, when it comes to just genuine, legitimate work and sweat, farmers work much harder than shepherds. So, we're not talking about just how much effort you personally expended to have this sacrifice. How did Abel know to offer a lamb? Revelation. Why? Because it says in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. So put Romans 10 and 17 together with Hebrews eleven four, By faith... Wait a minute. How can you have faith if you haven't all heard the word of the Lord? Abel heard the word of the Lord. He got the revelation. Offer a firstling of the flock. Yes. 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 It, 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 it's simple deduction. The difference between Cain and Abel is one had a revelation and the other one didn't. And 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 you 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 have to have the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah, Jehovah in flesh, deity in dirt, the visible manifestation of the invisible God. And until the spirit takes on flesh, he can't redeem anyone. What do you you say? Jesus is my savior. I see that. Do you see that? Yes, sir. In Christ alone, the, school, the old songs that I put my trust. I, I, I wrote something down I, years ago, I heard it way before I was married. Upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, I rest my whole eternity. This understanding requires revelation. Do you see it? Do you understand who Jesus is? Do you understand that? Because this, this is where we find. You know. Uh, the Lord himself. Is, is telling John. Not just about himself. But what he intends to do. In his church. And he gives these seven. Seven. Cities, and these seven cities represent seven phases or ages that the church would go through from the book of Acts until the present time. And and there are two books in the Bible. I know he hates the Bible, but to me, there are two books that Satan especially hates. Genesis and Revelation. Because this is where we find out where he came from. And this is where we find out his awful ways of deception. And when you get to Revelation, we find out where he's gone and his ultimate destruction. I've, I've taught you for years that Jesus Christ is the antithesis. He's the opposite of Satan. Whatever Jesus is, Satan is the opposite. So let me read to you what Jesus said about himself. In John 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. Jesus is direction. Satan's the opposite. If Jesus is direction, Satan is lack of direction. Thus the word lost. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 3, this is what Paul said. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them who are lost. Jesus is the truth. Satan is the opposite of the truth. Listen to what Jesus said in John 8. He's talking to these religious phonies. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of lies. <laughs> I, 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 I've explained it, and, and some of you are new, you haven't heard this, but this is why repentance is so powerful. When, when I went to school in Texas, I, I put myself through school by working for a man named Sam Morrow. Sam Morrow was a very famous clown in in Houston. Everybody knew Sam. And he he was a great philanthropist, and he was always involved in, you know, the Rotary and different civic clubs and groups. And he, he would dress up as a clown, entertain the kids. But Sam ran a detective agency. And we've, our job was to catch thieves. And what I learned very quickly was it's not the shoplifters that give the stores the problem. It's the employees. They're the real thieves. And we would catch them. We would catch them. And we had all this evidence on them. And then we had to interview or interrogate them. One time they had had the equivalent of a 7-Eleven down there. And uh, I caught 43 employees in a row that stole from me 43 after a while I just kind of lost my faith in humanity it was like everybody's a thief (laughs) and and, and when when we would have to call them in and present the evidence this is what stunned me we could never it didn't matter how much evidence we had we could never get one of them to admit to more than a third of what they actually stole you could just see the consternation in their eyes, just the 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 the, the war wow. going on in their soul. I can't be that bad. I just can't be. And this is what makes repentance so amazing. That when you come to an altar and you just put her out there, Lord, I've been a rat. <laughs> Lord, I need you. You know. And, It's it's like there's nothing more appealing to the truth than the truth. When you tell the truth, I mean, you you got it. He already knows. But there's something inside of us that we want to play hide and seek with our creator. You can't play hide and seek with Jesus. And and it's like, what's the first question in the Old Testament? Where are you? Do, do, you, do you think the Lord was so stupid that he didn't know which rock or which tree Adam and Eve were hiding behind? That's that's not what that means at all. What he's saying is, you and I were talking yesterday, now you're hiding from me, and you don't want to talk to me. You, you're obviously not where you were yesterday, yesterday in terms of relationship with me. And and, and you know, I, I I come to an altar, but I don't want to tell God how bad I've been because he won't love me. He won't like me. It's like, oh man, you, you, you did that. I mean, I could understand some other heathen, but not you. But when you were honest, it's like, yeah, I knew you did that. I can't tell you how many times through the years I've had people confess things to me in the office. And I already knew that they did it. I already knew. And when they tell me what they did, I just say, come here. And I just grab them and hug them. I said, I'm proud of you. What I did, I'm proud of what you did right now, not what you did two weeks ago. I'm proud of you being honest. Nothing's more appealing to the truth than the truth. Jesus, I'm the the way, Satan is lost. I'm the truth, Satan's a liar, okay? I'm the life. He's the opposite. No wonder Paul said in Ephesians 2, and you hath he quickened who were dead, past tense, who were dead in trespass and sin. And, and, And for the purpose of our lesson tonight, Let's take it a little bit further. Jesus is Revelation. Satan's the opposite. He wants to hide. And Genesis and Revelation pull the cover off of the enemy of our soul. And does the one thing he hates most of all. To be exposed. Do you see it? It requires revelation. The word reveals who and what Satan really is. Look at what he said to Eve. If you eat this, if you disobey what your creator told you, you're going to be a god. It didn't work for him. Read, read, it's in Ezekiel. It's in Isaiah 14. I'll be like the most high. I will rise above all others. Watch, it says, I will dwell in the sides of the north. (laughs) Now, this is just my own personal experience. Renee and I had an apartment years ago in St. Louis. In St. Louis, the north part of town, is the nicer part of town. I went to school in Houston. In Houston, Texas, the north part of Houston is the nicer part of town. My daughter lives in Austin. The north part of Austin is the nicer part of town. Many of you went to school in Indianapolis. You know what Carmel is. That's nothing compared to the southern part of Indianapolis. Look at Detroit. We're in the northern part of the suburbs. It's arrogant to say, but it's a nicer part of town. I was in Hong Kong years ago. Guess what? The north part of Hong Kong is where you wanna live. They called it the Northern Territories. I've been to Sydney, Australia. It's the same way in Sydney. Listen to this verse, beautiful for situation is Zion, which dwells on the sides of the north. All I know is Satan said, I'm going to be God, I'm going to rise above everything, and I'm going to live on the north part. Everything that he wanted, you get. He said, I'll be like the Most High. 1 John 3 and 2 said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we're going to be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Every time I read about Satan in the Bible, he's going down. And every time I read about you and me, we're going up. And you and I get to dwell in the sides of the north, which is the which is the suburb he personally chose for his own residence. He don't get it. You do. <laughs> it, it's it's just it's it's this this just fascinates me. Because he, listen, this is Jesus in John 14. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. And he has nothing in me. Jesus is saying, he has no part in me and I have no part in him. We got nothing in common because Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Satan is darkness. Remember, the scripture said, um, there is neither shadow of turning in him. There's no darkness in him. There's no shadow. Satan does his work in the dark. The Lord does his work in the light. Since Jesus was full of light, he's got no shadows in him. There's no dark corners where Satan can set up shop. And Jesus said, he's got nothing in me. There's nowhere in my life where he can find a flaw or a chink in my armor and take advantage of some vice or some habit or some carnal hobby that I have. He doesn't have it. And he's saying, he's got nothing in me. And guess what? I got nothing in common with him. And, 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 And this is just one of the many reasons that Satan attacks the word. Because if we refuse to believe the lies and choose to believe the revelation of the word, the Bible said the gates of hell won't prevail against a church like that. That's why the book of Acts is like no other letter in the Bible. Read Romans. Read Romans 16. Read how it ends. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. Read them. They all come to an end. And there's this salutation at the end where, where Paul would say something like, now greet this person and greet this sister and greet these people and, and may, the, may the grace and peace of God be with you. Amen. There's no amen to the book of Acts. When you read the last chapter or, or the last verse in chapter 28 of the book of Acts, it, it just, find it for me, Matthew. It just This is how the book of Acts ends. L- listen, listen to this verse. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern to the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. That's it. That's the way it ends. But do you get the revelation? It doesn't end. (laughs) Jesus Christ in the true church is the constant and continual continuation of the church in the book of Acts. This thing doesn't stop. The Bible talks about world without end. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So there's the Christ and there's the Antichrist. Listen, little children, it is the last time. As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrist. Here's 2 Thessalonians. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Antichrist wants to come into the true church and defile it by making it lukewarm, formal, carnal, powerless. Listen to this verse, this warning. Having a form of godliness, but not denying the power from such, turn away. This is not just about the revelation of Jesus Christ, but this is about a genuine revelation of the true church, what she is, what she stands for, and and getting and gaining the revelation, revelation of what may be the most arrogant statement in the Bible where you say, we've done greater things than Jesus. You say, you better not say that. Jesus said, we better say that. He said, greater things than these shall you do, because I go away. There's a, there's a, there's a picture, uh, I think it's now in my office. It used to be out in the hall. It, it, was, it was of a meeting in Ethiopia. 600,000 people were there. They had the names, the names of 150,000 people who were filled with the Holy Ghost on that day. They had their names. They, had, they, 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 they called them the book of life. I've seen these books. They write down, when you say you get the Holy Ghost, they want to know who's your mom, who's your dad, who, who, what, what's your mother's maiden name, you know, who's your, who's your grandparents. They've got all this in this book. It wasn't like, oh, looks like 150,000 people. Billy Cole, who's gone now, and I can goad him and make fun of him a little bit because I knew him very, very well. Billy, Billy used to say, literally thousands. He said, literally thousands. And he was, he was criticized for saying that. But will you please find me any place in the Bible where 150,000 people got the Holy Ghost in one day? This is, this is the greatest thing that happened in the 20th century. We've done greater things than Jesus did. And, and, and the book is not just a revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's the revelation of what he intends to do through the church. Hallelujah. He wants to speak with you. Yeah. Yes. Try the spirits. S- What's wrong with being spiritual? <laughs> the, I've seen people. They, they, it's like they make fun of spiritual people. I'm not. Listen, Brother Tenney said something to me years ago, and I never forgot. He said, Harold, there's a fine line between glory and goofy. And I've seen Goofy. I want glory. Amen. Remember what, brother? Morgan taught us months ago. That glory is when people can see. They can see the manifestation of God in the church. I'll never forget he asked this question. I, I've asked that question to dozens of places since he... I, I asked it Sunday. I was in New Orleans. And I appreciate you giving me the latitude. Brother Trenicost, he called me before service. He said, please tell the church. He's crying. Thank you for praying and fasting for Melinda. She is doing, all of her markers are 100%. Her blood work is 100%. Her kidney is functioning 100%. He sent me pictures of her kidneys that they took out. I won't show them to you, but... You talk about gross. You just can't believe something like that was in his sweetheart's body all of that time. But he said, he said the, the, everything. The, her, the girl Allison was. I, I was done with my message, the second message Sunday, and all of a sudden this lady came up and she said, "Hello, Pastor Hoffman." They told me I need to introduce you. Introduce myself to you. I'm Allison, and I knew. I said. You're the girl that gave the kidney to Sister Trinacost. And she said, I'd do it again tomorrow. And and, and the the, the doctor said, we've never had a better kidney anywhere. Get this, Melinda Melinda had 42 people willing to be a donor of a kidney to her. We had people in this church signed up. Do you realize there's hundreds of thousands of people across this country that are waiting for a kidney donor, but they can't find one? Sister Trenacoste had 42. Finally, the clinic cut it off, said, forget it. Don't have any more sign up. They said, in the history of this hospital, we've never seen such an outpouring of love as we have with this woman. What kind of woman is this? That she's lived in such a way that all these people are literally willing to give body parts to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That, 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 and here, here's this, I mean, she donated a kidney on Tuesday. She's in church on Sunday. And not just in church. She's worshiping around the altar and she looks like a million bucks. It was like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that that's what we're after. I, I don't want to just have a form of Pentecost and deny the power I I said it to the church. Do you want to be a word church or you want to be a glorious church? He's not coming back for a word church. It said he's coming back for a glorious church without spot and wrinkle and blemish or any such thing. I don't want to just be a Bible church. I want a demonstration of the power of God in this place and in this community. I said, turn away from there are people that don't want a demonstration. Oh, that'll run off the rich people. Big deal. That'll run off all the smart people. The Bible said that he takes the simple and confounds the wise. Amen. He, he'll, he'll take the weak and confound the mighty. That, 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 it's just when you're weakest, that's when God's the strongest. That's what the word says. When I'm weak, you're strong. If we think we can pull this off by ourselves, we're dumb as a box of rocks. But we're leaning not on our might, not on our power, but on your spirit. God, people need to be healed. God, people need to be delivered. Jesus, people need to be changed. That's real church. Yes. Amen. And, and, and it's like, listen, I gotta, I gotta I gotta go fast. Watch. Here's Galatians 4 and 4. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. What is that? That's Bethlehem. The technical term is incarnation. That's when God took on flesh. Okay? But notice when it happened. Fullness of time. Not a fragment of time. In other words, he wasn't going to show up prematurely. I, I've, 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 I've heard this phrase all my life. Oh boy, these are the last days. Well, let me give you some revelation. Here's Acts 2 and verse 17. Holy Spirit is poured out for the very first time. Peter stood up and he said, It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Watch, here's Hebrews 1, verse 1 and verse 2. God who at sundry times and divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Did you get it? Who in these last days spoke to us by his Son. Is there anybody in here that won't agree with me that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? So when did the last days begin? Uh, I think that was right after the pandemic. Nah, 9-11. No, when Jesus showed up. When the Holy Ghost was poured out. That's the last days. Don't you get it? Too many people are kicking the can down the road. We still got some time. Listen to what Jesus said. Say not ye, there are yet four months. But the fields are white right now. The last days began with the coming of Jesus and the birth of the church. Not Pearl Harbor. No wonder John said, listen, blessed, this is Revelation 1 and 3, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. If you've ever, think of, let's let's project ourselves into March or April and these flowers are going to start poking up through the ground. You know as well as I do Every part of that flower is in that bud. But if you start picking at it, you're just going to have a mess on your hands. It's all there, but you have to wait on it and let it bloom. There are seven church ages. Watch. And the revelation of God for each age could only come in that age at a very specific time. Think of Moses. The revelation of God came to Moses at a very specific time. Does anybody know what that time was? What was it that triggered God to speak to Moses out of the bush? I'll tell you what it is. And it came to pass that in the process of time the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage and they cried. And their cry came upon God by reason of the bondage. When his people began to cry out and say, I'm not, Putting up with this no more. Let me ask you a question. Is anybody in this place sick and tired of being sick and tired? I am. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's why our times together, our prayer meetings, cry out to the Lord. Why? Because when His people cry out, it always brings fresh revelation of who he is and what he wants to do with those people. Blessed are they, hunger and thirst. I'm done, watch. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace, watch, from him which is, which was, which is to come. The seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests unto God and his father. There's seven spirits before the throne. And I'm convinced these are seven messengers that would be sent to the church in every different age. And if you're in age number four, you're never going to be able to understand what number five is. He would send the messenger to the church at that place of where they were. How many, how many times have I taught you and said to you through the years, we need to make prayers. And there, there's still people that don't understand what I'm talking about. Before we leave, this is what I'm telling you about. I want you to be disciplined to use that God-given brain that you and I have to craft and create prayers. Consonants, syllables, nouns, verbs, adverbs, adjectives, similes, metaphors. Listen to what Paul said. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men what is supplication means strong crying and tears when's the last time you prayed and and you, you just began to weep there's a there's a there's a ministry of tears years ago the university of michigan did a study of tears they collected tears that were shed when people were happy they collected tears when people were mad and enraged. And then they collected tears of repentance when people were trying to have restitution with someone. else. the chemical composition of tears of repentance are completely different than tears that are shed in joy or in rage. There are toxins that are released from your body when you cry unto the Lord that won't come out any other way. There's a ministry of tears that there's going to be times around the altar you'll just be smiling and magnifying. That's great. But there's something known as supplication. Do you know how to offer supplication unto the Lord? Do you even do you have any idea what an intercessory prayer is when you're not praying for what you want, but you're literally praying for what God wants? Not my will, but thine be done. In in, in other words, these are different prayer disciplines. And, 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 And this is a great example because John just doesn't call him Jesus. Listen, he talks about him which is, him which was, him which is to come. He calls him the faithful witness the firstborn among the dead, <laughs> the prince of the kings of the earth, the alpha, the omega, the almighty. It's the same person. What are you saying? I'm saying expand your vocabulary. Right. Don't just get in a rut in a routine and use vain repetition. Discipline that brain of yours and learn to magnify you. If you've ever had a sweetheart, I, my, my wife, man, when I was, I, I, was I, I met Renee when she was 12, man. And she wouldn't tell me how old she was because she's afraid I'd, I'd run away. It's like robbing a cradle, you know? But boys are always four years behind girls. So I was about 12. When she, I was 16, but I was 12. Okay? And we used to have a, a drugstore in the little town close to me, Wellsburg. They called it an apothecary. And they were the only place that you could buy greeting cards. So... I would stand in front of them cards and read every one of them. And I'd pick out the good ones. And week after week, I'd send her a card. And they ran out of nice cards. But there were ugly cards that had really good sayings in them. So I'd get the ugly cards that, that had the good sayings and then they started coming out with blank cards. And I'd steal the good sayings out of the ugly cards and put them in the blank cards. Do you remember being in love? When you're laying there and the phone's on the pillow and you wake up an hour later and there's slobber all over the pillow because you fell asleep talking to your sweetheart? You just want to be with her. That's what I'm talking about. A love affair with Jesus to where you want to talk to him and brag on him, call him Alpha. Alpha. Call him Omega. Call him the first, the last, the one that was, the one that is, the one that is to come. Call him the king among kings. Amen. Just the Almighty. Expand your vocabulary of the way that you magnify and praise your God. Why? I think he doesn't want to just show us who he is. I think he wants to show us what he wants to be in the church now. Stand, stand, Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these faithful people. I have taught people that have already worked 30 hours or more already this week. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, they've worked, many of them, 12 hours a day. They've almost worked 40 hours this week. And and yet, they're here tonight in Bible class. They got a perfectly good excuse to stay home. A perfectly legitimate reason not to be here, but they came. Yes, they have friends here. Yes, there's a social aspect to this. But I believe that people came here tonight to hear some word and to have an encounter with you in your word. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, for us to have the revelation and the understanding of the days that come, of the days in which we are now living. These are the last days. This is Laodicea. I don't want to be lukewarm. You'd rather us be boiling hot or freezing cold. But you like extremes. You like people that when you shake somebody's cold hand, you go, whoa. When you shake somebody's hot hand, you go, whoa. You don't want us to be lukewarm. You do not want us to assume room temperature. Because I'm asking you, Lord, right now. Dear God, let something happen in our spirit that will cause us to want a revelation. And to see, to see and to hear. What do you want to say to the church? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is desperately trying to say to us right now. We make a covenant together in this room, Lord. We're going to be searchers. We're going to be searchers. We're going to chase after you. We're going to be God chasers. Give these precious people a night of rest. Let them wake in the morning refreshed. If there's anybody in this room that's sick in their body, then by the authority of the word of God and the power in the name Jesus. That healing doesn't just need to happen at prayer meeting or Sunday. It can happen in boring Bible class. You said you sent your word and healed them. I'm asking you, God, people that cannot be here tonight because they're sick in their body. I'm asking you, God, to strengthen them so that when we come together on Sunday, all of them will be here magnifying you together. And we're going to see your glory manifest in this place. In Jesus' name we pray and call it done. Amen. 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 God bless every one of you. Greet one another. Say something good to one another. Make them smile. Make them smile. Amen. You got some leftovers? Invite them over.